to chapter 2, part 2 of, and there's things that's smaller than atoms, and that's particle physics. Bod nodded and decided that Scarlet's father was probably interested in imaginary things. Bod and Scarlet wandered through the graveyard together every weekday afternoon, tracing names with their fingers, writing them down. Bod would tell Scarlet whatever he knew of the inhabitants of the grave or Muslim or tomb, and she would tell him stories that she had been read or learnt. And sometimes she would tell him about the world outside, about cars and buses and television and aeroplanes. Bod had seen them flying high overhead, had thought them loud silver birds, but never been curious about them until now. He, in his turn, would tell her about the days when the people in the graves had been alive, how Sebastian Reader had been to London town and had seen the Queen, who had been a fat woman in a fur cap, who had glared at everyone and spoke no English. Sebastian Reader could not remember which Queen she had been, but he did not think that she had been Queen for very long. When was this? Scarlet asked. He died in 1583, it says on his tombstone. So before then... He is the, who is the oldest person here in the whole graveyard, asked Scarlet. Bod frowned. Probably Chaos Pompeius. He came here a hundred years after the Romans first got here. He told me about it. He liked the roads. So he's the oldest? I think so. Can we make a little house in one of those stone houses? You can't get in. It's locked. They all are. Can you get in? Of course. Why can't I? The graveyard, he explained. I got the freedom of the graveyard. It lets me go places. I want to go in the stone house and make little houses. You can't. You're just mean. Not. Meanie. Not. Scarlet put her hands into the pocket of her anorak and walked down the hill without saying goodbye, convinced that Bod was holding out on her and at the same time suspecting that she was being unfair, which made her angrier. That night, over dinner, she asked her mother and father if there was anyone in the country before the Romans came. Where did you hear about the Romans? asked her father. Everybody knows, says Scarlet with a withering scorn. Was there? There were the Celts, said her mother. They were here first. They go back before the Romans. They were the people that the Romans conquered. Conquered. On the bench beside the old chapel, Bod was having a similar conversation. The oldest? said Silas. Honestly, Bod, I don't know. The oldest in the graveyard that I've encountered is Caius Pompeius, and there were people before the Romans came. Lots of them, going back a long time. How are your letters coming along? Good, I think. When do I learn joint-up letters? Silas paused. I have no doubt, he said after a moment's reflection, that there are among the many talented individuals uttered here, at least a smattering of teachers, I shall make inquiries. Bod was thrilled. He imagined a future in which he could read everything, in which all stories could be opened and discovered. When Silas had left the graveyard to go about his own affairs, Bod walked, willow to, Bod walked to the willow tree beside the old chapel called Chaos Pompeius. The old Roman came out of his grave with a yawn. Oh, yes, the living boy, he said. How are you, living boy? Bod said. I do very well, sir. Good. I am pleased to hear it. The old Roman's hair was pale in the moonlight and he wore it the toga in which he'd been buried with beneath it a thick woolen vest and leggings because this was a cold country at the edge of the world. 
and the only place colder than Caledonia to the north, where the men were more animal than human and covered in orange fur, but too savage even to be conquered by the Romans, so would soon be walled off in their perpetual winter. Are you the oldest? asked Bod. The oldest in the graveyard? I am. So you were the first to be buried here? A hesitation. Almost the first, said Chaos Pompeius. Before the Celts, there were other people on this island. One of them was buried here. Oh, Bod thought for a moment. Where's his grave? Chaos pointed up the hill. He's up at the top, said Bod. Chaos shook his head. Then what? The old Roman reached down and ruffled Bod's hair. In the hill, he said, inside it. I was brought here by my friends, followed in their turn by the local officials and the mines, who wore the wax faces of my wife, taken by a fever in the uh, Camelodium, and my father killed in a border skirmish in Gaul. Three hundred years after my death, a farmer seeking a new place to graze his sheep discovered the boulder that covered the entrance and rolled it away and went down thinking that there might be treasure. He came out a little later, his dark hair now as white as mine. What did he see? Chaos said nothing. Then he would not speak of it or ever return. They put the boulder back and in time they forgot. And then 200 years ago when they were building the Forestbischer vault, they found it once more. The young man who found the place dreamed of riches, so he told no one. And he hid the doorway behind the Ephraim, uh, Petifer's casket, and went down one night unobserved, or so he thought. Was his hair white when he came up? He did not come up. Hmm, oh, so who is buried there? Charles shook his head. I do not know, young Owens, but I felt, I felt him. Back when this place was empty, I could feel something waiting even then deep in the hill. What was he waiting for? All I could feel, said Charles Propius, was the waiting. Scarlet was carrying a large picture book and she sat next to her mother on the green bench near the gates and she read her book while her mother inspected an educational supplement. She enjoyed the spring sunshine and she did her best to ignore the small boy who waved at first from behind an ivy-covered monument. Then, when she resolved to no longer look at the monument, the boy popped up, literally like a jack-in-the-box from behind a tombstone. Georgie showed, uh, 1921, I was a stranger and you took me in. He gestured towards her frantically. She ignored him. Eventually, she put her book down on the bench. Mummy, I'm going for a walk now. Stay on the path, dear. She stayed on the path until she was round the corner and she could see Bod waving at her from further up the hill. She made a face at him. I found things out, said Scarlet. Me too, said Bod. There were Roman people before the uh, there were people before the Romans, she said. Way back. They lived. I mean they when they died they put them underground in these hills with treasure and stuff, and they were called barrows. Oh right, said Bod. That explains it. Do you want to come and see one? Now? Scarlet looked doubtfully. You don't really know where one is, do you? And you know I can't always follow you where you go. She had seen him slip through walls like a shadow. In reply, he held up a large, rusted iron key. This was in the chapel, he said. It should open most of the gates up there. They used the same key for all of them. It was less work. She scrambled up the hillside beside him. You're telling the truth? He nodded, a pleased smile dancing at the corners of lips. Come on, he said. 
It was a perfect spring day, and the air was alive with birdsong and bee hum. The daffodils bustled in the breeze here and there on the side of the hill, and a few early tulips nodded. They blew powdering of forget-me-nots and fine, fat, yellow primroses punctuated the green of the slope as the two children walked up the hill towards the Furbish's little mausoleum. It was old and simple in design, a small forgotten stone house with a metal gate for a door. Bod unlocked the gate with his key and they went in. It's a hole, said Bod, or a door behind one of the coffins. They found it behind a coffin on the bottom shelf, a simple crawl space. Down there, said Bod, we go down there. Scarlet found herself enjoying the adventure rather less. She said, we can't see down there, it's dark. I don't need light, said Bod. Not while I'm in the graveyard. I do, said Scarlet. It's dark. Bod thought about the reassuring things that he could say. Like, there's nothing bad there, bad down there. But the tales of hair turning white and people never returning meant that he could never said that with a clear conscience. So he said, I'll go down. You wait for me here. Scarlet frowned. You shouldn't leave me, she said. I'll go down, said Bod, and I'll see who's there. And I'll come back and tell you all about it. He turned to the opening, bent down and clambered through on his hands and knees. He was in a space big enough to stand up in, and he could see steps cut into the stone. I'm going down the steps now, he said. Do they go down a long way? I think so. If you held my hand and told me where I was walking, she said, then I could come with you if you make sure I'm okay. Of course, said Bod, and before he could finish speaking, the girl was coming through the hole on her hands and knees. You can stand up. Bod told her. He took her hand. There are steps just here. If you put a foot forward, you can find it. There. Now I'll go first. Can you really see? She asked. It's dark, said Bod, but I can see. He began to lead Scarlet down the steps, deep into the hill and describe what he saw to her as they went. It's steps down, he said, made of stone, and there's stone all above us. Someone's made a painting on the wall. What kind of painting? A big hairy sea is for cow, I think, with horns, and then something that's cut that's more like a pattern, like a big knot. It's sort of carved in the stone too, not just painted, see? And he took her fingers and placed them onto the carved knotwork. I can feel it, she said. Now, the steps are getting bigger. We're all coming out into some kind of big room. Now, but the steps are still going. Don't move. Okay, now I'm between you and the room and keep your left hand on the wall. They kept going down. One more step and we're on the rock floor, said Bod. It's a bit uneven. The room was small and there was a slab of stone on the ground and a low ledge in one corner with some small objects on it. There were bones on the ground, very old bones indeed. Although below where the steps entered the room, Bod could see a crumpled corpse dressed in the remains of a long brown coat. The young man who had Dreamed of riches, Bod decided. He must have slipped and fallen in the dark. The noise began all about them, a rustling slither, like a snake twining through dry leaves. Scarlet's grip on Bod's hand was harder. What's that? Do you see anything? No. Scarlet made a noise that was a half gasp, half wail, and Bod saw something, and he knew without asking that she could see it too. There was light at the end of the room, and in the light a man came walking walking through the rock, and Bod heard Scarlet choking back a scream. The man looked well-preserved, but still something that had been deaf for a long while. His skin was painted, Bod thought, or tattooed, Scarlet thought, with purple designs and patterns. Around his neck hung a necklace of sharp, long teeth. 
I am the master of this place, said the figure in words so ancient and guttural that there were scarcely words at all. I guard this place from all who would harm it. His eyes were huge in his head, but realised it was because he had circles drawn around them in purple, making in his face looking like an owl's. Who are you? asked Bod. He squeezed Scarlet's hand as he said it. The indigo man did not seem to have heard the question. He looked at them fiercely. Leave this place, he said in words that Bod heard in his head, words that were also guttural growl. Is he going to hurt us? asked Scarlet. I don't think so, said Bod. Then to the indigo man, he said, as he had been taught, I have the freedom of the graveyard no more. I walk where I choose. There was no reaction to this by the indigo man, which puzzled Bod even more because even the most irritable inhabitants of the graveyard had been calmed by the statement. Bod said, Scarlet, can you see him? Of course I can see him. He's a big, scary, tattooy man and he wants to kill us. Bod, make him go away. Bod looked at the remains of the gentleman in the brown coat and there was a lamp beside him broken on the rocky floor. He ran away, said Bod aloud. He ran because he was scared and he slipped or tripped on the stairs and he fell off. Who did? The man on the floor. Scarlet sounded irritated now as well as puzzled and scared. What man on the floor? It's too dark. The only man I can see is the tattooy man. And then as if to make quite sure that they knew that he was there. The indigo man threw back his head and let out a series of yodeling screams, a full-throated ulitation that made Scarlet grip Bod's hands so tightly that his fingernails pressed into his flesh. Bod was no longer scared, though. I'm sorry I said they were imaginary, said Scarlet. I believe now they're real. The indigo man raised something over his head. It looked like a sharp stone blade. All who invade this place will die. He shouted in his guttural speech. Bod thought about the man whose hair had turned white after it discovered the chamber. Now how he would never return to the graveyard or speak what he'd seen. No, said Bod. I think you're right. I think this is one. Is. Is what? Imaginary. Don't be stupid, said Scarlet. I can see it. Yes, said Bod. And you can't see dead people. He looked around the chamber. You can stop now, he said. We, are, we know it's not real. I will feast on your liver, screamed the indigo man. No, you won't, said Scarlet with a huge sigh. Bod's right. Then she said, I think maybe it's a scarecrow. What's a scarecrow? asked Bod. It's a thing farmers put in the fields to scare crows. Why would they do that? Bod quite liked crows. He thought they were funny and he liked the way that they helped to keep the graveyard tidy. I don't know exactly. I'll ask mummy. But I saw one from a train and I asked what it was. Crows think it's a real person. It's just a made-up thing. It looks like a person. But it's not. It's just to scare the crows away. Bod looked around the chamber. He said, Whoever you are, it isn't working. It doesn't scare us. We know it isn't real. Just stop. The indigo man stopped. It walked over to the rock slab and lay it down on it. Then it was gone. Before the scarlet, the chamber was once swallowed by the darkness. In the darkness, she could hear the twining sound again, getting louder and louder and louder, as if something was circling around the room. Something said, we are the sleer. The hairs on the back of Bod's neck began to prickle. The voice in his head was something very old and very dry, like the scraping of a dead twig against the window of the chapel. And it seemed to Bod that there was more than one voice there, that they were talking in unison. Did you hear that? He asked Scarlet. I didn't hear anything, just a silly noise. It made me feel strange, all prickly in my tummy. 
like something horrible is going to happen. Nothing horrible is going to happen, said Bob. Then to the chamber, he said, what are you? We are the sleer, we guard and we protect. What do you protect? The resting place of the master. This is the holiest of all holy places and it's guarded by the sleer. You can't touch us, said Bod. All you can do is scare. The twining voices sounded potated. Fear is a weapon of the sleer. Bod looked down at the ledge. Are those the little treasure? Are, are those the treasures of your master? An old brooch, a cup, a little stone knife. They don't look like much. The sleer guards, the treasures, the brooch, the goblet, the knife. We guard them for the master. When he returns, it comes back. It always comes back. How many of you are there? But the sleer said nothing. The inside of Bod's head felt like as if it was felled with cobwebs and he shook it, trying to clear it. Then he squeezed Scarlet's hand. We should go, he said. He led, led her past the dead man in the brown coat and honestly thought Bod, if he hadn't got scared and fallen, the man would have been disappointing his hunt for the treasure. The treasures of 10,000 years ago were not the treasures of today. Bod led Scarlet carefully up the steps, through the hill, into the jutting black masonry of the Forbishim Maestalum. Late spring sunlight shone through the breaks in the masonry and through the barred doors, shocking in its brightness, and Scarlet blinked and covered her eyes at the suddenness of the glare. Birds sung in the bushes, bumblebee droned past. Everything was surprisingly in its normality. Bod pushed open the mausoleum door and locked again behind them. Scarlet's bright clothes were covered in grime and cobwebs and her dark face and hands were pale with dust. Further down the hill, somebody, quite a few somebodies, was shouting, shouting loudly, shouting frantically. Someone called, Scarlet, Scarlet Perkins! And Scarlet said, yes, hello! And before she and Bod had a chance to discuss what they'd seen or talk about the indigo man, there was a woman in a fluorescent yellow jacket with police on the back demanding to know if she was okay and where she'd been and if someone had tried to kidnap her. And then the woman was talking on a radio, letting them know that the child had been found. Bud slipped along, the bro uh, slipped along beside them as they walked down the hill. The door to the chapel was open and inside both Scarlet's parents were waiting, her mother's in tears, her father worryingly talking to people on a mobile phone along with another policewoman. No one saw Bod as he waited in the corner. The people kept asking Scarlet what happened to her, and she answered as honestly as she could. She told them about a boy called Nobody, who took her dope inside a hill where a purple tattoo man appeared in the dark, but, she was, but he was really a scarecrow. They gave her a chocolate bar, and they wiped her face and, if they, and asked if the tattooed man had ridden a motorbike. And Scarlet's mother and father now that they were relieved and not afraid for her any longer were angry with themselves and with her and that they told each other that it was the, each other's own fault for letting their little girl play in a cemetery, even if it was a nature reserve, and that the world was a very dangerous place these days. And if you didn't keep your eyes on your children every second, you could not imagine what awful things they would plunge into, especially a child like Scarlet. Scarlet's mother began sobbing, which made Scarlet cry, and one of the policewomen got into an argument with Scarlet's father, who tried to tell her that he, as a taxpayer, paid her wages, and she told him that she was a taxpayer too, and probably paid his wages, while Bod sat in the shadows in the corner of the chapel, unseen by anyone, not even Scarlet, and watched and listened until he could take no more. 
It was twilight in the graveyard now, and Silas came and found Bod up near the amphitheatre, looking out over the town. He stood beside the boy and he said nothing, which was, way, which was his way. It wasn't her fault, said Bod. It was mine, and now she's in trouble. Where did you take her? asked Silas. Into the middle of the hill, to see the oldest grave, only there isn't anybody in there. Just a sneaky thing called a slit who scares people. Fascinating. They walked back down the hill together, watched the old chapel, was locked up once more, and the police and Scarlet and her parents went off into the night. Miss Burrows will teach you joint-up letters, said Silas. Have you read The Cat in the Hat yet? Yes, said Bod, ages ago. Can you bring me more books? I expect so, said Silas. Do you think I'll ever see her again? The girl? I very much doubt it. But Silas was wrong. The three weeks later, on a grey afternoon, Scarlet came to the graveyard accompanied by her parents. They insisted that she remain in sight at all times, although they trailed a little bit behind her. Scarlet's mother occasionally exclaimed about how morbid this all was, and how fine and good it was that they would be soon leaving it behind forever. When Scarlet's parents began to talk to each other, Bod said hello. Hi, said Scarlet very quietly. I didn't think I'd see you again. I told them I wouldn't go with them unless they brought me back here one more la one last time. Go where? Scotland. There's a university there for Dad to teach particle physics. They walked on the path together, a small girl in a bright orange anorak and a small boy in a green winding sheet. Is Scotland a long way away? Yes, she said. Oh, I'd hoped you'd be here to say goodbye. I'm always here. But aren't you dead? Are you? Nobody owns? Course not. Well, you can't just stay here all your life, can you? One day you'll grow up and then you'll have to go and live in the world outside. He shook his head. It's not safe for me out there. Who says? Silas, my family, everybody. She was silent. Her father called, Scarlet, come on, love, time to go. You've had your last trip to the graveyard. Now let's go home. Scarlet said to Bod, you're brave. You are the bravest person I know, and you are my friend. I don't care if you are imaginary. And then she fled down the path, back down the way they had come to her parents and the world.